Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke and my co-host today is Jason. I'm back! You've been back quite a bit lately. I like it. I, I just wanted to keep that short and sweet so I didn't interrupt your introduction. But, Today's uh, topic, I... Loki, <laughs> the MCU's third TV show on Disney+. Plus. Set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it shares continuity with the films of the franchise and takes place after the events of the film Avengers Endgame, in which an alternate version of Loki created a new timeline. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. You say, you say it's, um, it's set after Endgame, but in a way, it's really set after the first Avengers movie. And... There it is. Time travel. Very confusing. Yeah. This is a show that uh, it, it gets it gets crazy. It gets Let's crazy. get it out of the way then. Let's get it out of the way. It is set after the events of Endgame. Yes. Yeah. I get your point. We're going to sidestep <laughs> from the events of Avengers. But Tom Hiddleston looks more like Loki from Endgame. Sure in, does. In the Avengers movie. <laughs> Look, they, they I get it. People age, but it's hard to not notice that, wow, this is Loki now. He's got a good 10 years on him since, um, I guess, where the character is supposed to be. But you know what? It's all good. It's all good. They, oh, of course they it is. Like he, yeah, he is, I'm going to say this, he is phenomenal in this role. We've had him as yeah, Loki, yeah. you know, since that first... Thor movie in phase one. We've had yeah, quite a bit of time. Maybe, maybe 2010, 11, I want to say. <laughs> We've had quite a bit of time with him as this character, but moments in different films. This is obviously the most time we've ever spent with him as Loki. And wow, like watching the show and especially watching the documentary Avengers Assembled, he gives it it all. He absolutely gives everything he has to this character. And I got that from his performance. And then you see all the behind the scenes things from that documentary. We can talk about more about that later. But yeah, he definitely gives his all to the show and it makes it a lot more enjoyable. I mentioned in the intro there that you're back again because the last time was Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It wasn't too long ago. And the time before that was WandaVision. So we've now had three live-action MCU shows on Disney+. Plus. That first one, WandaVision. What an experience. We've clearly not got to our rating yet, but good or bad, Loki, another experience. It really, for me, puts more shade on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I get that <laughs> that is its own thing. And it's, you know, the idea was for it to set up Captain America 4, we later found out. It does feel more in line with something like Captain America, the Winter Soldier, but obviously not quite on that level. But WandaVision, Loki, this is what I want from Marvel on TV. What, what crazy batshit bonkers stuff? Is that what you want? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, because they, I mean, I guess we're going to get that with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. 
But until we get there, on the big screen, they're not as bonkers as what we're getting on the small screen. And I'm really enjoying it. What was weird is that we did, you know, like in between the, the second last and last episode of Loki, we did get... MCU back on the big screen with with Marvel, with uh, Black Widow, yeah, not completely distracting, but just weird. I don't know series of events that that took place, and I mean we we spoke about Black Widow, but yeah, it's just so different. Again, we can get all these properties from from the same studio set in the same universe, and everything we're getting is very different. And yeah, Black Widow, you know, like it was much of what we had seen before Falcon and Winter Soldier, much of what we had sort of seen before, except in a much longer form, but with these three, you know, keeping it to just these three Disney plus shows, MCU on the small screen, they have all been, you said it experiences in, in different degrees, but they've all been different. They've all been very different things. WandaVision, obviously that's sort of just doing something zany with like television tropes um, playing with all of that, but at the same time, really having a deep dive into, you know, the grief of of a woman, you know, losing losing love and and all that, and her life pretty much being torn to shreds. Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, very much sort of what we'd seen before, but I guess just expanding on some side characters again, and you know, not being as bonkers. But I guess here with Loki, that's where they really went deep with um i guess it went full comic book this is this mm. is stuff that you know mainstream viewers probably aren't really gonna i guess grasp or or you know embrace now i can't speak for everyone sort of thing but you know they i've i've spoken to some people and you know, as much as there were moments in this where I was like, this is crazy stuff that I love. This is, this is wicked. We're going into nutty territory. The MCU is changing in such a different way from this show. Um, yeah. A lot of people were sort of like, look, I'm lost. Um, this might be time to check out if this is where things are going. And I'm like, no, nah, look, stick with it. They'll, <laughs> they always manage to pull us back in and, and, and ground us in some way. But I guess there is a fundamental risk with going with going as crazy as I've gone with this show that, you know, it could alienate some viewers. But at least, you know what, they, they're using this platform to be a bit more daring and do some crazy stuff. Here we are, Loki. Yeah, I get what you're saying there. With, with the movies, you're still going to have standalone films, of course. They're going to continue with that. But when you're going to get big crossover events... And I, I guess it is a standalone film, the Doctor Strange movie. You're going to get a lot of what's started in this show there. But I do think they're still going to be putting out individual films that people will be able to follow. Oh, for enjoy. sure. But this, I mean, this show has everything and then some. Like never in a million years. There was always this hokey thing from the comics. Maybe it was an Avengers comic. I can't remember exactly which one it was. But you had Thanos in a helicopter. Yeah, man. <laughs> the helicopter's in the show. And it is crazy. So I'm watching it, and I could not believe what I was seeing. But I should say, I watched this show with my wife, who does watch the MCU movies. 
but hasn't been watching WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But she decided that she wanted to watch this one. So we're watching it together, different experiences. So inside, I'm giddy because I'm seeing the Thanos helicopter. (laughs) Right. It didn't even register on her radar. Like she's just watching it and okay, so and the scene just passed on. So I think they are able to throw a lot of comic book Easter eggs in this. And if you get it, you get it. But if you don't, it doesn't distract from the story. Like that same same episode with the helicopter, we see Throg, who is a (laughs) Thor, who is a frog. And Chris Hemsworth recorded new dialogue for that scene. When I heard him, I thought that it was just repurposed dialogue. No, he specifically (laughs) recorded it for Throg. (laughs) Literally uh, phoning it in, (laughs) I would say. But I mean, I mean that's that's Easter eggs. That's you know, the, especially that episode was very Easter egg heavy. There was lots of it was very in the know kind of things that were happening. But I mean, as a bigger picture, and I guess what this means for MCU going forward and stuff like this is, I mean, normally when we watch an MCU product, whether it's a film or you know more recently these shows, the approach has always been if you were to skip this you can then come in at any given time. And maybe that will be the case, you know, say when we get to like Doctor Strange 2 or something, where they'll, they'll give us some sort of catch up for someone who's just literally sat down for that movie will be like, okay, cool. I know what's happening because they've just explained it to us. But there's a lot happening here, a lot of wider universe stuff that is... <laughs> I feel like we throw Game Changer out a lot, but I mean, really... They've they've changed fundamentally how the the universe, literally the universe in this MCU sort of works where they they have and yeah, I I agree, but just to your other point as well, I think they've not just changed the inner workings of the universe, which you know how long are we gonna continue calling it a Marvel Cinematic Universe? It's a multiverse. And they've been saying multiverse since Doctor Strange five years ago. Yeah. yeah. It's been there. I think you're right. They're not just changing how the world works in this shared continuity. They're also like the changing how, how we, the audience consume it. Like you mentioned. So as Loki was airing, what was it around episode five that week, the black widow, otherwise the black widow was released (laughs) in cinemas but just like Loki being available on Disney Plus, so was Black Widow. So they're doing this thing where it's kind of all available in the same place, but you can still go get that big screen experience if that's what you want. But you can, wa- you can watch it all from the comfort of your home. And I do think that Marvel are at a point now where they're going to start assuming people have seen what's come before. Like you say, maybe they'll do a recap. I think they're like, you know what? It's available at home. People have got access to it. And we're not just going to keep going back and saying previously on or go see or this happened on this. I think they're going to start with a forward or continue even with a forward momentum with the assumption that it's out there. People that want to see it have seen it. 
I think, I think, and to that point, I think they deserve that. After 24, is it 24 films? 24 films, three TV shows now, or three seasons of TV shows. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're not on board and into it now, then, <laughs> you know, jump off, jump off. But I mean, as a business model, they've they've always wanted... Yeah, it's, it's that thing of like, you don't want to alienate your audience because there's a reason these movies don't just make $600, $700 million. They're making $900, $1 billion more. $2.5 billion. <laughs> like, there's a reason that's happening. And that's us, us movie, comic book, superhero fans, we can't make that happen. It's, it's the wider general audience. And exactly. I guess this stuff yeah. needs to be accessible. Not like just like literally accessible but i mean thematically um subject matter wise and overall i mean this does get into crazy stuff it's i mean for me like easy enough to follow i get what's going on there is a concern that's all i'm saying <laughs> there's a concern but um i mean i'm know, confident i'm confident in kevin feige in that he knows that will keep things doing. on track i just think I mean, it makes sense that Loki is the character at the center of all of this, where it's going to start going off, branching off in all these different directions. Like Loki is a great villain. Tom Hiddleston is extremely likable in the role. Like even when he's being evil, when he's being bad, it, it doesn't matter. Like there's just something appealing about that character. That people just keep wanting yeah. more and more. And, and I, I do honestly think, I didn't ask her, but the assumption was that the reason why my wife wanted to see Loki in the first place was because, I mean, it looked fun to begin with, but it, it's Hiddleston as Loki. Yeah. Hiddleston, the actor, the Loki character, which I'm sure she's come to love, like, appreciate, whatever, you know, since, since Thor, since, um, you know, first Avengers film. Uh, he is a he is a unique character in that, you know, he was that recurring villain that became the first big villain for the Avengers, and they keep killing the bastard, and he keeps coming back. There's, I think, there's a reason that keeps happening. Definitely, is because they're like, well, you know, we we want to do more with him. They should probably stop killing him for one. But, <laughs> and but just this be is like, the thing. I mean, when when they, I mean, saw the Dark World. I mean, come on. Nobody believed that at all. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> believed it. But Infinity War, that's the one that stuck. That's a legitimate, that's a legitimate death that stuck. And it, and it felt like it was real. And that's because it was. Yeah. Like, until at the time, it was twenty twelve. <laughs> yeah, until the twenty twelve <laughs> Loki escaped with that Tesseract in uh, Avengers Endgame. And um, And then yeah. obviously they changed it. But at the time though, the Stop idea was gonna be for that to be it. For Loki. But okay, we'll get back to the cast. And, you know, I know we've been talking about Hiddleston already. Behind the scenes on the show, we've got Michael Waldron serving as head writer. And we've got Kate Heron directing the first season. Saying that because she only ever committed to the first season. A second season is in development, which is a big thing. Like the MCU hasn't had this before with their Disney Plus shows. Kate Heron had such a big influence on, well, on, on the show, on the whole aesthetic, really. 
the way that she pitched it, you know, she was really passionate and she'd had her own experiences serving as a temp worker in like, numerous offices. So when you've got this fantastical character in Loki and then when he's at the TVA, it just feels so real. If you've worked in an office and heaven clearly <laughs> has. I mean, it's like going back and watching The Office with Ricky Gervais. You just got that he was writing from experience. And it really like he's been felt there. he's been real, yeah. yes. And the same with her. Like apparently she incorporated a lot of her experiences over the years in the show. When you've got Loki sat there before it gets all bonkers and you know, he gets beats all these other fantastical characters and variants of himself. It's him in the office. Loved all of that. That's that's like the, the you know the shining star of the first two episodes at least is all that time that we're spending um, at the TVA, which you know time variance authority, this for the MCU, um, uh, you know a very new concept. You know, like the you've got the timekeepers, you've got Minutemen, you've got Miss Minutes, all all these elements that you know they. Like the adjustment bureau, you know, they, they're keeping pretty much time in check, keeping everything on one straight, direct, clear line, the the prime timeline. And um, they're clearing up all these other little messes, variances and stuff like that happen. All that. Like such sci-fi expanding elements that we're getting into. I just, that first episode had me so giddy and excited and and then you, you've got this backdrop, like all this fantastical stuff, and it's all coming out of this place that just looks like an office. Like, yeah, and it's and I, it's it's nutty, man. And it's it a works. Lot of the, it just works. A lot of the machinery like a, is like analog, and then they've got loads of like yeah, they're really advanced on one hand, but the other, it's a lot of dated technology. It's like. It's like 50s stuff from, from Earth, Mad Men sort of style. Yes, Mad Men. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Infinity Stones as paperweights, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, one way, to, one way to, to really express like, okay, what we're dealing with here is a power above anything we've seen before use the infinity stones as a comparison that they're yeah it's they're essentially it's there, nothing but little rocks like that's that's all they are they're pebbles to yeah it's nuts there's lots of good gags in here like in that first episode where you know loki's quite dismissive over where he is and who they are and is in line and he you know casually just put his ticket somewhere and the other guy misplaced his ticket got vaporized yeah. <laughs> and then Loki's panicking and yeah a, a lot of humor you mentioned Miss Minutes you know the cartoon character <laughs> it's like, so visually you've got all these different different things going on and um it's yeah it, bonkers like we I think I've said bonkers already it really bonkers is a good word like it's Loki, bonkers a it's lot bonkers. of the time put that on the poster it's bonkers <laughs> yeah a gloss over you take the, but you take this guy you know he's got he's got these this big green Asgardian robe, his golden horns, put him in a grey jumpsuit or brown jumpsuit, whatever the hell it was. Just well, he shows coloured, wearing the outfit from Avengers and he looks like, say, all regal, he's got the green and they just strip him of what makes him Loki. 
and then he's it's a guy he can't use his magic yeah it's great seeing someone with such great power and obviously again like conceptually we have to remember it's the loki from 2012 from event like the avengers film he had just literally tried to invade destroy new york city with the chitauri army all that kind of stuff he's in full villain mode he hasn't gone through that 10-year journey of you know making peace with thor and you know becoming a slightly better person he's that mischievous badass god that just wants to rule and then he's thrown into this gray jumpsuit or whatever color it is depowered and having his mind expanded because he's witnessing of uh you know a power that he's never seen before oh it is it's not so good i mean where we've seen what he's capable we've seen he's capable of change i mean at his essence is always loki but we've seen the changes that is made across multiple films what this show does is does it in six hours (laughs) yeah but it strips him back to that moment in avengers but where is the other films? Because again, in each film, you don't spend... I mean, he's never the focus. Thor is, because he's appearing in a Thor film or he's appearing in an Avengers film. Whereas in the past, they've had less time to show us or tell us he's been on a particular journey. Whereas this show, yeah, he's actually guess, showing us. With like with the movies and what he's featured in, I guess... Uh, and you know what i'm trying to say though it's like you know in in the dark world you know he was he was a prisoner so he literally just sat in a cell and then had a bit of an adventure with with thor there um and then later on we see you know he's ruling asgard for however much time passes until thor ragnarok so you know he's in a position of power not much character development there because you know he's still he's in a good position and then it's not until the short time we have with him in Ragnarok where we get that development and then dead. So, I mean, I, I guess it's, it's feasible that the development that he has in this show, yeah, could have happened if he just went through different circumstances following that Avengers film. Like if he wasn't just locked up and then, you know, taken out to play for very small periods of time and then given a throne to sit on for a few years, it checks out. It works. It, it does, works. it does. What <laughs> I was going to say a while ago now, I think when we're speaking to the comedy and a lot of what Hiddleston is doing, kind of glossed over Michael Waldron, the showrunner. I was looking into what he'd done before Loki. Rick and Morty. He came from that show. That's also bonkers. Well, I mean, if there was a show to, you know, draw inspiration from with heavy sci-fi elements, multiverse, interdimensional stuff, time travel. Yeah. (laughs) Early early on, a couple of news outlets were referring to Loki as Marvel's Legends of Tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, kind of Legends of Tomorrow, bit of Rick and Morty. (laughs) Just gone with Marvel's Rick and Morty. (laughs) Doctor Who. Is, is Is Loki Rick or Morty? And therefore, who's the other one? Mobius? <laughs> well, he'd have to be... He'd be Rick, surely. Yeah, he'd would be he Rick. Be? Mobius would be... Would be Morty. <laughs> Just along for the ride. Okay, Hiddleston then. We've talked about him quite a lot. I mean, he checks out. It's his show. So he's okay too. <laughs> it works. Um, 
we get a couple of versions of him as Loki. One that they put forward early on in that first trailer was President Loki, which was a version, or I guess now we'll say variant, of Loki that we had in the comics years ago. Because there has been many Lokis in the comics, but how it's typically being handled is that 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 was always him. So like Kid Loki, I can't remember how it came about, but in the comics, he was de-aged. So when he was Kid Loki, he was the only Loki in the comics. Right. He was essentially a good guy. When he's President Loki, again, the only Loki. So it's slightly different how they portray in this show, but with you know having having variants. But it's cool though. I liked it. You know, it was still really good when you see Kid Loki turn up, President Loki. You know, for the most part, he has two hands until Crocodile Loki. (laughs) I like how you just very just just gloss over, just throw that in there, Crocodile Loki. No big deal. Should we? I mean, I want to have a conversation with you, I guess, about not just Loki, but um, (laughs) like the variants and how how the variants work and what your interpretation is of how other variants would work. Because in this show, the only character that we see with variants who look different, appear different, pretty much are a completely different character are variants of Loki. Any other time we see, or potentially not that we see many, but any potential variant of another character or later on when we see, even though it's sort of in like hologram type illusions, but variants of the one, you know, the, I'll just say Kang, I'll just say it here. Um, they all look the same, essentially. Do you think Loki is the only one that does have variants that look, that look different and everyone else's variants are essentially the same? No, I don't. Depend- I, okay. did, I disagree. I did get that impression. She kind of touched on it. I can't even remember what we were talking about at the time. It was either the movie show or Black Widow. I can't remember. But I did get the impression that... Well, we started yelling at each other. Like, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Maybe it was the movie show. Um, My... Yeah. I, I reckon... Like, I think... You know how... Loki is... What's his... What's his species? A frost well, giant. He's a, yeah, he's he's a, a frost a, giant. He's a frost giant. I reckon... He's a, he's a human-sized frost giant. I reckon, you know, like when, when Odin picks him up, you know, baby frost giant, and is like, I'll make you my son, you little frost giant baby thing. And he turns into what would be a human-looking Asgardian Loki. I reckon the frost giant in different timelines just changes into something different. And I think that's your answer to it. I reckon every other variant should look the same unless they have the power to change their I don't know, because President Loki looks just like Hiddleston. Kid Loki is a little kid that could potentially grow up to look just like Hiddleston. Sylvie is a whole other thing. Boastful Thor, and obviously Crocodile Thor. Loki even, Crocodile Loki. (laughs) I said Boastful Thor, didn't I? Boastful is the hammer. Boastful yeah. Loki and Boast yeah. <laughs> the crocodile. It is confusing. Too many, too many. Babies. It's just with maybe. The, with the, maybe you're right. 
with the I don't know. I'm trying to. I, I've just been spending time trying to decode what the I, science behind I what the, think... the rules behind the time travel is, and I just feel like what they're trying to say is that the only way other like the multiverse exists is through variations in time, which means it all comes from the same time and then it branches off. There's no parallel actual timelines. It's just branches. Honestly, branches. I, I think Marvel's playing the long game. They're introducing it here with Loki and just keep in mind, right? So when Iron Man came out, it was this new thing. <laughs> However many films later, TV series, some connected, some not, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., others. They're not slowing down. We're talking not just years, but decades. They're just going to keep on going. Down the line, they can just bring in other actors, call it a variant. <laughs> I can play in the long game. So you think this is this is just a setup for future production issues that they can? I just... think it's it's a setup for for a lot. And you know, we talked about it when we. I don't want to spoil the end of Black Widow, but we we've talked about how things have been first introduced on TV and then affect film, and how much of a big step forward that is. Where ordinarily, you know, if it's something connected, film would influence TV. I like that this potentially, you know, this big decision that they're making with Loki is going to affect all of cinema. But I think, honestly, decades from now, you know, whether they decide to wrap up variants and no longer have a multiverse however many years later, they could just put the genie back in the bottle. <laughs> it's happened in the comics before. You know, the, you That's know the thing. call exactly. it a reboot, like the, call it whatever you like. In the comics, multiverse is a slippery slope of... It becomes a convoluted mess at some point. Oh, if right. they handle we... this right, if they contain it, then fantastic. This is going to be a fun oh, no. freaking ride. If we've this gone, gets out of control... Oh. We've got a record. We're concerned for Spider-Man No Way Home. And maybe that's where my reservations with, I guess, some things that were proposed in this show. If other characters have variants that look different, then you know what, my mate? fears for would... Spider-Man 3 are... <laughs> that, would, that would settle it, wouldn't it? Just give me. If I'm Tom happy to Holland have interact with Tobey Maguire Spider Man. Oh yeah, that's there you go. It's like well, okay, yeah. <laughs> Whereas if they gave me Spider Man through, you know, they messing around with multiverse stuff, but all the Spider Man variations are just Tom Holland in a different suit or a different character in a Spider Man suit because maybe someone else got bit or whatever. Then fine. I just don't want a different Peter Parker that looks different. I just I just think that's silly. I don't know. I feel like it that's works. very DC. It's very into DC. The into the Spider-Verse, it works. And yeah, very... It's a very, cartoon. Very, <laughs> a very, very good. Very good cartoon. Oh, an excellent cartoon. But yeah, very DC. I was trying to just ignore that. But yes, well, look, DC yeah. are clearly doing that with... With the Flash, we're getting oh, for Michael sure. Keaton, yeah. Batman, interacting with Ezra Miller as the Flash, who's fought alongside Ben Affleck as Batman. So yes, DC have done that already. So you heard it here yep, first. they did it first. Marvel's doing it no, second the, with Loki. The it's MCU, okay. they're going to bring back Terrence Howard as Rhodey, a Rhodey variant. Tell you what, you know, you know the other <laughs> night, I, I re-watched Four Brothers, first time in a long time. You know that Wahlberg movie from 05? Good film. Yeah. And Terrence Howard is in that as a detective. 
And I'm like, oh, he's really good. He, he screwed himself. But anyway, that's, a, that's another thing. We <laughs> hey, like Don Cheadle. It's, 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 he, it's all right. He could have been, he could have been roadie, but yes, Don Cheadle is excellent. Okay, I mentioned Sylvie. Let's talk about Sophia DiMartino as Sylvie, not Lady Loki. That's not who she actually is. Although that's what a everybody was in. There's a character called Lady Loki and a, there is. something different. Is it? But like okay. I said earlier, you've only, you only have one Loki. So when we had Lady Loki in the comics, that was Loki. I can't remember right. what happened, but Loki <laughs> was now Lady Loki. All but they're all referred to... Was a female. They're all referred to as as a Loki, and this one just happens to be a female. Yeah, but what I mean is that people thought that Lady Loki was going to be in the show without a name. When Di Martino first appears, people still thought, "Hey, it's Lady Loki." But for the show, that's not who it is. So it is another variant of Loki, but one that chose long ago not to go by the name of Loki. And in the show, she's influenced by the, or I guess the inspiration for the show is the character Enchantress, another MCU character. Not MCU, comics character. So not from the <laughs> cinematic universe. It's, <laughs> it's all very well, I, confusing. I, for the most part, I enjoyed this this character. You know, like I, we do spend four episodes trying to work out what the hell her deal is really. Well, maybe it was four. It was like three. It felt like four episodes. Felt like a few weeks. I was waiting to be like, what is her deal? What's her? It was probably just two episodes, to, to be honest. Um, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed her. I mean, um, you know, like she's got a charm to her. Fun. Mm. She sort of has a few, like she can express herself almost in a way that, you know, that fun kind of zany uh, I guess sort of what Tom Hiddleston does on screen. She was sort of emulating that energy in a, in a similar way, but in her own way, it worked. But then, you know, they, they do go into some weird kind of territory with her character and Loki. Oh, you're talking about the, the romance? I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's hilarious that you've got Loki like, for the first time, <laughs> and at least in this continuity, he's growing as a person. But, you know, the ego on Loki, I find it hilarious that when he finally falls in love, it's essentially with himself. That typical on the surface, of him on the surface, it's like, as a character. Hilarious. It's narcissistic. It's, it's fantastic. I think then when you it, think would have been, it, it would have been harder, harder to digest if Sylvie was essentially Tom Hiddleston in drag. <laughs> then it would be a bit like, even though you know she's a Loki, she is, go by she Loki. is very attractive. I mean, I don't blame him. I, I've not seen Fair her enough. before, not knowingly. Yes, she really is. And I think she's fantastic in this. And I've got to say, right, when we did WandaVision, I'm pretty sure that's when you were commenting on when Elizabeth Olsen wrinkles her nose. I don't know. These nose wrinkles, man. Hey, Sophia DiMartino. Next level. Next oh. level. <laughs> Who has the better nose wrinkle? <sighs> Sylvie. Like, it's not even a competition. Like, wow, I just can't believe it. Anyway, so she's, she's good. Yeah. So I thought she was great. Just the, um, the design, like she's still got some green in her outfit. You know, classic Loki. Um, she's only got one horn. 
visually, you know, it's pretty, pretty cool. And just the dynamic between the two. And when they're fighting side by side or back to back, you've got Sylvie, who's a lot more scrappy. You know, she's had to fight for everything her whole life. And then you've got the approach by Loki, who is a lot more regal and outstretched. He's, you know, putting on more of a performance. Just visually, the contrast in characters in fighting styles thought was great. And yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I liked any time they were interacting. There's hundreds of years of, um, you know, history uh, with these with these characters, I guess, individually, not like together. And with, you know, with Sylvie's, I guess, background, it, it, you know, from a young age as a child, you know, like she was she was taken by the TVA, and she escaped, and she's been on the run, hiding in apocalypses, apocalypses, yeah, apocalyptic moments in time. Obviously, not affecting any sort of timeline, therefore hiding. I thought that very clever. Sort yeah, of it was somewhere the, the TVA would have no reason to look because it's going to end. She's been doing that. She's just doing that for hundreds of maybe thousands of years, however old she is. One, one gripe I've got, though, I guess, and this falls back on the logic or the rules that were established in those first couple of episodes, the TVA seemed to respond to a variant as soon as the, very, the variation takes place or is happening. If, if Sylvie was born... If Loki was born as a as a female, or you know that frost giant turned into a female, I'm still sticking to that logic. Um, wouldn't the TVA prune her almost immediately? Why did they wait until she was like I don't know nine, ten years old, or whatever she is? It's there's little plot holes kind of there that I haven't really worked out yet, but maybe I can just put it down to the fact that the TVA dodgy bastards and they don't really know what they were doing <laughs> well <laughs> any, they, thoughts? any thoughts well they're doing us at all we'll get to him later but they're doing <laughs> we'll get to him later. they're being given information and they are acting on it i mean you've got ravona renslayer so other than we'll get to him later she's the one <laughs> that is that should, that should be his name We'll get to him later. <laughs> so they, they are going off information that's provided. So they've that's, been pointed in a particular direction, and that's what, that's what they're going to do. That's what, where they're going to go. So Ravona, played by Gugu and Bartaro. A tricky one to say, but yes. <laughs> she is a British actress. I'm not too familiar with her work, if I'm honest. But in this, you know, she plays uh, the stern judge. She's the person in charge. Looks quite young, but then we find that how they look isn't necessarily how old they are. And she's been doing that job for a very, very long time. Before she was a judge, she was the hunter that was set to capture Sylvie in the first place. So you've got that running conflict between them two which was pretty cool. In the comics, slightly different, or maybe they'll get to that in, in the movies, Ravona Renslayer is known as having a love interest in Kang, the Conqueror, who is to debut with Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania in 2023. So maybe 
we're going to see Ravona again. I mean, we're getting to season two of this show, so maybe it's there. Or maybe she's going to have a more <laughs> comic-accurate costume to match the bonkers visuals of Khan. And we'll get yeah, to maybe. see her. A lot, of, a lot of times, though, like, relationships that they explore in the comics, they, they choose not to, I guess, explore them in, in, the, in the films kind of thing. But you never yeah, know. do... I mean, yeah, I mean, again, that's in the comics, man, necessarily come to play in the show. But yeah, just, you know, in the movies, you know, now on TV, they do restructure relationships, characters to fit the particular story. So yeah, maybe that'll never come to pass, but going by the comics, that's what happened there. There's a really kick-ass character in this, played by Wimi Musaku. We saw her in Lovecraft Country. We saw her in Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. She was in that also. And now she's in this playing a high-ranking hunter of the TVA. She is Hunter B-15. She, you kicking, kick-ass was probably the best description of it because, yeah, for the most part, that's what she's doing for the majority of the time. I mean, she she's the the first minute man that we that we get to witness in action, putting Loki in his place. I mean, she's the one that takes him in. Um, she's knocking fools down and uh, zapping them whenever she gets a chance. Um, and I guess she's the first minute man we also get to experience the human side to her. And um, you know, when when there's all that revelation happening and then she discovers i guess the truth and you know where she's from and what they're all about and the truth um, we, being that yeah. they are all variants yeah and that it's quite an emotional sort of thing for her character to experience and actually question like, well now what what does this mean what do i do um yeah they do a lot with this with this one character we get a kick oh, in they, ass and then yeah, we then we get a sort of having a crisis in the rain. Like it's the <laughs> best of both worlds. And I I didn't get it from watching the show, but watching that documentary, you see visually something different about her armor. On her helmet, she's got etchings like each time she takes down a variant. Yeah. So All she's of those wearing the victory. Yes, I didn't like notice myself, it. I wouldn't. No idea. No idea. They all look the bloody same to me. <laughs> all those but costumes. Yeah. But then that's that's part of that that uniform, conformed, very stringent kind of design of of the TVA. It's all very, very uh, simple. <laughs> I was going to start with Kid Loki, but actually, let's let's start with. Classic Loki. <laughs> Honestly, it was it was a long time ago now. It was on a movie show, and we're talking about the fact that Richard E. Grant had been cast on the show. And the assumption there was that, oh, how cool would it be if he's playing old man Loki, like an older version of Hiddleston? Similar, but not the same. Like he's playing classic Loki, so a different variant of Loki, but I swear to God. Right. I completely forgot that Richard E. Grant was in the show. <laughs> and then he rocks up. Why it's from my memory. Watching it, I, I could not believe what I was seeing, having Richard E. Grant in the classic 
Loki gets up. I mean, amazing. I love seeing these like phenomenal actors, many years of 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 talent on screen, history in film and stuff like that. Just given it is given it is all in tights. It's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> like he I, is honestly. He, it is. I mean, after the episode, we've seen behind the scenes photos. Like he's been very active on social media, behind the scenes photos. But and you, you can see how much fun he's having in those photos. In the show, though, you can also see how much fun <laughs> Richard D. Grant is having. It is painted all over his face. I, I still. I know you said you know he's not an older version of of Tom Hiddleston, sort of Loki. But you know, what? in my mind. I like to think he is, and I'm at peace with that. I, okay. it, I mean, because I, I feel yeah. like it doesn't matter either way. I just like to think, yeah, that's he's an old version of Tom Hiddleston. It's it's fantastic. I mean, I do, I do like that. I really do. But again, like he's a, he's he's active. I don't think it matters. It doesn't matter either way. So I'm going with the uh, with the way that I want to interpret it. Cause, so know, there's some better. differences. Classic Loki is a variant who faked his death to escape being killed by Thanos and decided to live his life in seclusion until he became lonely. This Loki has the ability to conjure larger, more elaborate illusions than Loki. And wow, does he. What, what does he shout? Glorious purpose. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. Which is what the name of episode two, I think, which was a whole... Oh, episode one was glorious. Purpose. Ah, there you go. But it is amazing just hearing him yell it. He's got the get up, the visuals. Beams um, coming out of his hands. It's great. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you look at the, the first ever appearance of Loki going up against the Avengers, or even Loki in the Thor comics, he looks like Richard E. Grant in the show. It's, it's incredible. It's just another one of those classic costumes we can add to that really random assortment of classic costumes that we're seeing on the screen. Yeah. I mean, we're getting, we're getting a lot of us. We've got Wanda, Maximoff, Scarlet Witch. We've got Vision, her kids. We've got Wiccan. And is it Speed? Yeah. Yeah. What was this one called? Yeah. Wiccan Wiccan and Speed. Yeah. Okay. Netflix gave us the classic Luke Cage costume. Yeah. Oh, you've got Quicksilver as well. Oh, Quicksilver. Yeah, he's um, yeah. he's in there. We got a think. classic uh, Captain America in the uh, ah. the first Avengers. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, and probably some more. Anyway, they keep work. adding it to the. They um, yeah. <laughs> they work and so so fun to see. But honestly, classic Loki. That's the highlight for me. All the Lokis that appear, we've got Kid Loki played by Jack Veal. The big difference with this Loki, he killed his Thor. Or so he says. <laughs> I believed him. I mean, why would you believe a Loki? <laughs> yeah, true. But that was the whole thing, though. He created a Nexus event by killing Thor. So I'd say it's true. I said that he did kill his Thor. But if he's a kid, so is he. So he killed Kid Thor. That's my assumption. <laughs> I mean, he still did it, though. He still killed Thor. When they all appear at the end of that episode, I'm like, right, okay. There's a crocodile Loki, pretty self-explanatory. There's classic Loki. There's kid Loki. I had to get my phone out and go online, 
to find out who's this other guy? Who's the guy holding the hammer? Boast who's the big Loki? black guy? The big black Loki? <laughs> Just say it. Just say, who is that behemoth of a man who looks very different from? Well, there's a crocodile, so that's fair. <laughs> well, this Loki is a variant who makes wild exaggerations about his accomplishments. Yeah, didn't he say? Didn't he say he, he killed Thanos and? Oh, he's done it all. That. He's done everything, right? I'm not familiar with the with the actor, and I'm just looking at his name now. Dio Baya Opari. Sure, <laughs> sure. Or boastful Loki. Honestly, I nearly went Thor again. Yeah. It's the hammer. It um, it's. It throws me off. Miss Minutes, we've we've mentioned her, voiced here, Tara Strong. I mean, works. Yeah, works. wow. Yeah, it's nothing like this universe expanding, um, you know, organization that's keeping eons of time and space all on track to have a mascot voice by someone who sounds like they come from Texas. I mean, (laughs) mean, wherever wherever that accent is from. She speaks with a Southern drawl. Apparently (laughs) it's, um, it's based or influenced by the accent of the showrunner. That's where, that's where he's from. But Tara (laughs) Strong, like, I mean, our, our next review together, which admittedly is more of a bonus episode will be, Teen Titans Go See Space Jam, also starring Tara Strong. So there you go. That's the connection between this episode and the next. (laughs) Her character, straight away, my mind went to Mr. DNA from Jurassic Park. Turns out that was the inspiration. I like it. I mean, and you even get in that first episode, you get like a video tutorial kind of introduction with her hosting it. Very Mr. DNA, you know, got me going. Like I said, those first two episodes, there was just so much happening that just made me very giddy, very excited. And uh, uh, had me really set up for a really good show. You know what? We'll come back. We'll come back. It's it's just occurred to me, right? We've been going for a while now. And you, you've mentioned Mobius. And then we just... I'm waiting for you to bring him back. Well, let's do it now. Owen Wilson as Mobius. Wow. He's great. <laughs> he is so good in this. And whenever we see Owen Wilson in anything, he looks like Owen Wilson. He looks like a surfer. He's got the shaggy blonde hair. He always looks that way. And then in this show, he's different. Influenced by the comics, he's got a mustache. And I just assumed that cut and dyed his hair. But again, and then back to that documentary, he's wearing (laughs) a wig. (laughs) And interviews after the fact, and it's like, oh no, that's easy. He's got his hair back. Either he can grow it really fast. Or, I mean, maybe time I mean, works differently was, for him. He yeah. was under a wig <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> easy as that. But, you know, that's like, so I was like, why. they cut it, they dyed it. Um, I thought that... Yeah. I just figured, I, I, no, reckon, he, I reckon, I reckon he had conditions. Like that these days. 
conditions <laughs> for accepting the role. You do not touch my hair. <laughs> but he's great in this. He he looks the part. Heron likened Mobius to a hard-boiled detective, with Wilson comparing him to the character Jack Cates in 48 Hours. I can see that mm, right. completely. Just such a such a plain, very just again, it's that uniform. Um Everyone's conformed. Just that bureaucratic look to him. But then there's something, you know, there's enough flavour there as well. Again, very mad men, very uh, adjustment bureau. Like, I don't know. Just it's give all, him a hat. I give him a bowl yeah. of hat and it would, be, it would be there. It's all there, isn't it? I mean, we, again, like I mentioned before, we've done all these Marvel Studios TV shows together on the podcast now. And... It's a good way of doing it how we do it. We wait until the documentary comes out. And then we might get... Yeah, we wait until... Pointers. We wait until everyone's uh, finished talking about Loki. (laughs) (laughs) Get some extra extra information from from that. And yeah, you know, there were some things that I got from the documentary this time as well. Like, you know, Owen Wilson wearing a wig. But also just finding that <laughs> rather than actually reading Marvel Comics to prepare for the role, Owen Wilson instead had Tom Hiddleston explain the entire MCU to him. And you get it from their, from their dynamic in, in that documentary. And wow, the guys really do have good chemistry. And it's interesting when you see, when you go back and you, in the episode, some of what, Owen Wilson was bringing to Mobius when he's ad-libbing he was throwing in certain things that Hiddleston was saying to him when describing Loki and who he thinks Loki is I mean Hiddleston's now been playing the character for over 10 years so there's certain things when doing prep that Hiddleston was saying to Wilson that ended up in the script between Loki and Mobius I think that's great. You get the impression, or I always have with Owen Wilson, that he just kind of just turns up. And he can do it, and he can do it well. And it's why he's been working for as long as he can. Or as oh, long he, makes as he, look easy. he makes it look easy. He really does. So it's like, so again, he's, he's playing this role. It's an MCU show. He's done nothing to do with the MCU up until this point. And he's like, okay, you, tell me. Hiddleston did. And that's it prep done and he just yeah it makes it look effortless he's a he's a good character um you know maybe one day we'll get to see him on that jet ski season two we'll see what happens that's Um, it i mean yeah he uh he does he does like a jet ski okay the tone of the show like that we talked about you know the visuals some of the aesthetics you mentioned quite a few, I think maybe at least twice, maybe three times, the Adjustment Bureau. It's come up <laughs> a few times. And I've got a list here of references that the makers of the show had. Funny enough, that does come up. Also, sci-fi films like Brazil from 85, Metropolis from 1927, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the original Alien film, Blade Runner, Obviously, Jurassic Park with Mr. DNA. Moving away from sci-fi, also influenced by 
crime films like The Silence of the Lambs, Seven, Zodiac, Catch Me If You Can. I mean, we got that opening, didn't we? With Loki in disguise on the plane. <laughs> yeah, where are you? First oh, I, forget the, I forget the name of the, um, the person they put him into. But that, that was an interesting sort of side research. I was just like, who is that guy? And what's that all about? And yeah, oh, this guy disappeared yeah. into midair. Well, no, even, like, not literally midair, but like once he jumped off that plane, they never found him. So they had some fun with that. That was cool. Kill him. can almost get the guy's name. It'll come to me. It might not, <laughs> but, it, but it also might. The films of Quentin Tarantino, Armageddon. They were influenced by Armageddon from 98. I mean, I guess there's apocalyptic tones. Hey, this is a a good one, right? The Surreal Kids Show, Teletubbies, from 97. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toy Story, that's in Maybe The Void, when they're at The Void, just like the landscape. Pure, pure Teletubbies. Toy Story was an influence. Rick and Morty, well, Uh that's, that's a given. And Mad Men, you mentioned that before. Mad Men also being an influence. So they were influenced by many, many things. What a weird, bonkers mix. There it is. I mean, Teletubbies, I think it's my (laughs) favourite. It's called Sounds of the Lambs, Seven, Teletubbies. You know, know, when you're watching Teletubbies and there's just a Thanos helicopter in the background, you're like, oh yeah, there's a fallen Avengers Tower. You know, it's it's (laughs) standard Teletubbies. (laughs) The music on the show... Pretty cool, very distinctive. Composer Natalie Holt. We're getting a lot of weird sounds with this. And when I was looking into it, found that she was using a Thurman instrument. Is that familiar? Yes. It's an electronic musical instrument controlled without physical contact by the performer. I just feel like that fits, doesn't it? It's like something old. It's something timely. It also has like this weird, almost magic to it. It's magic that's science-based. It's Ugh, just, it's, it it's fitting. <laughs> I mean, the show really is a patchwork of all these different influences, visuals, all these different genres all mashed in. It's, there's a lot going on, but it comes together. I mentioned the documentary special a few times already. The full title is Marvel Studios Assembled. If you've got Disney+, Plus, which I'm sure you have, if you've been watching Loki, you can find it on there. Each MCU show, they put out like an hour-long special. If you've not seen it and you want to know more, check it out. Okay, so we're there. Rating time. If you're going to rate Loki out of five, this is going to be a long um, justification or explanation of this rating. Um, all right, I've mentioned a few times that actually episode one and I've got to do coming. this. I have to do this. I need to derail the whole podcast because we have not at any point talked about Jonathan Majors as he who remains. That's an error on my part. <laughs> <laughs> I got caught up in almost missing Mobius. We need to do it. He who remains. 
is a scientist from the 31st century who created the TVA to prevent a multiversal war between evil variants of himself. I cannot believe we nearly did the rating there <laughs> without actually talking to about To be him. fair, I mean, as, as big of a thing that I know you know it is and I know it is, I mean, he's a character that's introduced partway through the last episode of this season. Um, I mean, there are hints throughout, but again, they're hints that you only know and can read into if if you know. Um, if you're just a casual viewer, this is all very brand new to you. You don't know the, the wider Marvel sort of foray of things. I mean, structurally as a narrative, this is a character that's shoehorned in the end. And um, I guess... Once again, it's that outside view of, I'm just watching this show and, okay, what's the big reveal? Oh, it's just this guy. It's very... Okay, there's a, there's a bit of a story to him. Fair very, enough. But uh, very yeah, very Wizard of Oz. Honestly. Hey, that wasn't on your list of inspirations. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it clearly is, isn't it? Teletubbies was. <laughs> Honestly, like, quite a few people I know were disappointed in this final episode and the reveal of he who remains and their take on it was like you know it felt like the series was building towards something and then it's an episode of talking i mean it's, talking. it's, it's and, not just, i mean it's yeah. it is more than just talking but i mean essentially it is it is a very talking episode but not just that like you've got these characters and they're sitting down you've got your two main characters sitting in front of a desk it's stagnant there's i don't know some of the best scenes ever in any show movie can be people just sitting in a room having a conversation and it can be amazing but you've 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 still got to do something i mean you don't necessarily have to do something with it but if you don't especially with what we've come to expect with mcu material it's it's not just, I don't know, there, there just wasn't a visual thing to it. And I think that, again, is it's, it's that alienating people of just like, boring, boring. Yeah. Although, okay. so most, I, other viewers, yeah. like you, on the edge of my seat, like, holy Me too, crap. yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, this For is, me, it worked completely. I mean, you get a little sword fight, you get a death. Yeah, there's, there's yeah, you know, yeah, he yeah. who remains, he gets stabbed, he dies. But there's a lot of sitting down sort of I mean, and that's, is, and that's what it is. It's a lot of setup. Like, I guess before this show, the other Marvel shows, they had a beginning, middle, and end. Although technically, Falcon and Winter Soldier was setting up that fourth Cap movie, but it still had a they sense still, of closure to it. At the end, like, if we found out that Marvel Studios has gone bust for some reason, uh, Disney has been overthrown by, I don't know, little little monsters or something, the MCU is no more. They're not making any more for some sick, crazy reason. WandaVision, that's it. End. That's not going to go anywhere. That had an end. That still yeah. had an end. It, of course, it led into more and we're like, oh, cool. I can't wait to see what happens next. But that had an end. Falcon Winter Soldier, as much as it set up the next thing, it was, okay, that story has an end. I know there's a season two, but this 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 season here, it's, it doesn't exactly wrap. It really no. does finish on a cliffhanger. And part of that cliffhanger setup is this introduction of, um, of he who remains, you know, 
a, a variant of Kang the Conqueror. Let's just say it now. And put it, it out there. I, I like how they they said it. How you've got he who remains and he's going through the different variants and he makes reference to a conqueror. He's like, that's mm. enough. That's enough. But then later, like, you know, when we get to the end of the, the season, Loki comes back, Mobius doesn't know who he is, and he looks outside, and he who remains now more resembles Kang. So it's kind of laying the groundwork, but the makers of the show were very quick to point out that at no point does Kang appear in the show. Because like, he isn't Kang. He's, he's a very... I mean... We know, we know Kang's coming. It's the same actor, but I thought it was interesting, like, weeks prior, for the he's... first time ever, because we've got no confirmation of whether or not Majors... We know he's in Ant-Man 3, but no confirmation at that time whether or not he was going to be playing Kang. And then he went to a comic shop and he signed a comic of Kang as Kang. That was ahead of his appearance yeah. on Loki. So I thought that was pretty, pretty yeah. cool. But he essentially, he is. So we'll be he is. I, mean, I get what the showrunners are saying. Yeah, I, I do yeah. too. But the same Majors hasn't yet played Kang. He's like, well, okay. But he's played a very but for now, he's like he's the Kang character. He is. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get a as as he said, there are there are much more, I guess, badass. Oh, I paraphrase, but he actually said there's more badass, more evil versions of Kang out there. That's essentially That's what he it. said, and we're going to get one of those as, or maybe multiple of them. Uh, so I, I, no, I think it's better if they do one. If they because they need to. Thanos is gone. So then even with Thanos, we had we had a couple very well. We had two. No, we had two variations of him. Mm, yeah, yeah. One like can. we had we had the infinity infinity snap versions. And then we had Kang. one fuck from 2014. But <laughs> different yeah, versions know. or variants of Kang are different characters. Like at one time in the Young Avengers, you had Iron Lad. It was yeah, a teenage was Iron of, Man, but he. he made, is, Younger than just happened. Like, in the future, I, I, Nathaniel Richards, a descendant of Fantastic Four Reed Richards, but also a Kang. I reckon we will get. I reckon we will get different variations of him purely just to see see this actor have fun and play and uh, oh, do different well, things, and it's gonna be good. He, I do reckon he we was will doing have that here. We will have uh, <laughs> we will have a core Kang though. We will have like I guess our main Kang that will be the focus of whatever the hell's happening going yeah. forward. But I think we will see variations of them. And, oh, you know, no, I agree. Talking, no, I, I yes, variations. About- variations like we're going to get Immortus, who is a variant of Kang, and. And when he does have variants, which that will now refer to them as variants, that previously it had just been him in different points in time, but now we can say variants based on what we've got in this show. But one can. I generally believe we're going to get John Majors playing one can, but we're also going to get Majors playing different characters. Oh, just yeah, like yeah. he played. So we're on the same we, we are, so yeah. We will have, we'll have a focal one. We'll have a, a key. Like can. Is your big bad, like, and that's what they're going to set him yeah. up as. Like you know, with you know the Infinity Saga is wrapped. It finished with Endgame, or was it Spider Man Far From Home? 
Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Either way. But look, but you know what I mean? That Jonathan, wrapped up Infinity Saga. Jonathan Majors, when he's talking about, you know, the history of him and his variants and all that kind of stuff, you know, he's talking about how he is just a human um, who has discovered, you know, like, uh, I guess the secret to time and, and, and stuff like that. And this, you know, this larger power and him... I think his human version, well, him as a human, is still like a few years away uh, from the present, I guess, MCU time, if we, you know what I'm talking about. Like, so like, that was like 2050 or something like that, he said. Yep. So it's a few years ahead, or maybe it was a couple hundred, I can't remember. Um, and he, you know, he spoke to other, he met with other versions of himself and then they really got together and put their brain power to good use. Good use. Um, and then I guess with all the time travel shenanigans that's going to happen going forward, I think we're going to see, you know, him as a, just a, just a human doing stuff. And, you know, like we might even just get his human version and then we'll, we'll play with that a little bit. And then we'll yeah. eventually see the conqueror version come in and, and do his thing. Yeah. But um, Honestly, if you notice Paul... the, the Avengers tower in, in the void, the, the writing that was on there, obviously not Avengers, I can't remember exactly what it says, but it is, it is the, the company, the building that the, I guess the human counterpart of the Kang character owns. Uh-huh. So I could see, you know, Spider-Man far from home, you know, they, um, or was it homecoming homecoming? The Avengers tower was being sold. Yeah. We never really right. found out who bought it. And I think, um, you know, we could get a, I guess at the time we were hoping Reed Richards, weren't we? That it was going to become the new Baxter building. No, but this is this works. <laughs> yeah, no, no, so this can... this does. But um, but yeah, okay, yes. I mean, they're going to take it in loads of different directions. I was going to say, like for Jonathan Majors, what a big gig this is for him. Like, what a big opportunity. You know, whether it's on the small screen, the big screen, like this is going to keep him in work for for many many years. His <laughs> his performance, right? At times, and. And I've seen it twice, not the whole thing, but the second episode, the no, the finale, should I say. And yeah, wow. He goes really big and loony with his performance. <laughs> but then but then, you know, he's 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 gone a little bit mad. Like, you know, he's been ahead of the curve this whole time until he's got to the moment in time where he no longer knows what's gonna come next. It's all new and exciting for him. But I think it really works for how crazy he can be at times then when you've got a character like loki who recognizes how off the deep end this guy is so i think it does work at times when i first watched it i thought oh maybe he's going a bit too far yeah well you gotta you gotta bear in mind you're getting a bite-sized uh, sample of him again you're being introduced to him partway through the last episode you're, you're just you're trying to work out what's happening who is this guy what's going yeah. on but as why this, is he like this as this variant though like this 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 one's done we may have a similar one down the line but i think it did work for me just because you needed again like loki recognizing how crazy he's been like you said like with the whole like wizard of oz kind of man behind the curtain almost aspect to it yeah, you do get like that craziness, but then also that mystery of is what he's saying true? Is are his intentions, you know, pure? Does he really mean well as he's saying? Um, and is is the offer that's on the table, you know, a valid one and one that they need to take a chance with? And 
obviously Loki <laughs> wants to take that, but Sylvie doesn't. And that's where we get, we get that moment where we do go over that threshold and, you know, my brain's still trying to grasp what does that actually mean? Um, like he who remains has reached this point in time where he doesn't exactly know what's happening next, which is a, which is new for him. And that's, that's where I think his character does change. He goes from that loopy zany, almost putting on a performance for yeah. Loki and Sylvie to, I can kind of, like he's already accepted. I can rest now. Whatever happens now is, yeah. is new to me. He even bring it on. I'm, I'm done. He's yeah. tired. He's almost like, I'm tired. I'm done. Well, he says them is along the lines of like, you know, I'm, I'm being sincere. Like I'm telling the truth right now. So like you say, maybe he wasn't completely telling the truth before, but in those final moments when you could no longer see what was going to happen next, you're right. It did become a little bit different, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, wow. What a, what a crazy performance we got from majors. I do like the fact that he also voiced the timekeepers who were revealed to be androids. So we kind of <laughs> introduced to him the episode before, episode five. Oh, episode right. Five, yeah, okay. Take down the timekeepers. That's actually Jonathan Majors voicing the androids. Might have been episode six, actually, because that was bef- because episode five was the when they were in the void. Well, there's only six episodes altogether. Maybe no, it's four. Episode, it was episode four. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. But e- either way, ahead of seeing him as he who remains, we heard him in the show. Majors was shown the designs of each timekeeper and provided various options for each voice. That's pretty cool. But okay, we've done it. He who remains. Back to the rating. If you're going <laughs> to... Told you it was going to be a long if you, <laughs> if you start timing from when you asked me to do my rating up until now, we've been like another 10 minutes. Anyway, as I was... Look, I've, I've said a few times, episode one and two really set the stage. It presented things, new concepts, new ideas, um, new, I guess, science fiction elements to this universe that I was like, I was eating it all up i loved it miss minutes the tva mobius just um, pruning people that whole concept i was like this is great and then something happened after that i feel like their rules that they had which again maybe we can brush aside because maybe the tva carry you know like the all the minute then they're not exactly sure what they're doing they're just being told different bits of information so okay i can play that off but I did feel like they were free and loose with their rules of how the approach of a variation in time, nipping that in the butt straight away before a branch is created, um, but whatevs. With although I like the Sylvie character, I do feel like the like the relationship and the not because it was kind of weird, but I think like how they they threw them together and just had them almost bonding immediately. That episode, Lamentus, it felt almost like a uh, the show. It was just a very different show. That episode, potentially the weakest of them all, really, I guess, changed the... I don't know. I, I just feel like it, was, it became something different. Obviously, the show is what it is, so you can't really argue with that. But I just feel like it slowed it down a lot. The character development between the two of them it just wasn't really there. And by the end of that episode, we were supposed to believe that they were, they were on board and in it together. And then there was something, there was something there. 
although it did come back real good with that fourth episode, which was that one where you said, you know, they took down the time, they uncovered the truth about the timekeepers and all that. I was like, oh, wow, this show got pretty nutty again. Um, episode five with, with all the Loki variants, a lot of fun stuff, a lot of cool Easter eggs. But as a whole, it just seemed like an episode that was, hey, look at this. This is something cool. This is something funky. In terms of story and actually going somewhere, it was like, hey, there's a big smoke monster. And I'm like, you know, me and smoke monsters, we go back a bit. But um, it's, that was a lost joke. You, you know, I got it. Think that's fine. <laughs> yeah, you got it. I don't know. I just feel like there's, it's the whole introducing your big bad, well, not big bad, but the big reveal. Like you said, it seemed like we were building to stuff and there was just this big adventure for the sake of getting to a point. But I just feel like the adventure was just weird, crazy stuff. And I don't know. I, I think the, those first episodes just really set me up for something really cool and different. And then, and then it did just become really zany. I had fun with lots of elements and, and things that were in it. But at the same time, I did spend a lot of time being like, does this really make sense? And it seemed like there were more questions being proposed than answers were being given. And I, I know there's a second season. I just feel like they introduced Kang too late. I don't know. Looking back, you know, like we could look back five years from now and maybe the way this is structured and what they set up makes so much more sense and why they did it this way and what it all unfolds to. But I guess as just a one season thing, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm in that camp of like, I feel kind of disappointed by the end of it. Like, yeah, by that fifth episode, by the end of that fifth episode, I was like, I don't even know what this show is anymore. Like, I don't really. I don't really understand. Not un- I understand like the concepts. I was just like more like I don't know what this show wants to be. And then with that sixth episode, I was like, all right, cool. Lots of explanations of things that are going on. Okay, well, this new character. There wasn't really a build to it. It was just like well, could have really been anyone if not for those clues. There's a lot of good stuff, but I struggled with quite a bit of it. I, if I was to look back and say which are the, are the best of these three Marvel shows, WandaVision is still a shining bright star. I, I felt kind of hot and cold with Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I think with Loki, although I probably had, you know, they, they were doing so much more bonkers stuff with it. I feel like it's, yeah, by the, by the end of it, Maybe Falcon and Winter. Maybe I had a better time with Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is weird because I didn't fully love that show. I don't know. I can't really compare right now. But um, three out of five for this show. It's it's weird. It's weird. I mean, There's some good I stuff. Don't get me wrong. Birth. I think this is your longest rating. Wow. <laughs> I told you it was going to be long. <laughs> that was long. It's mainly I, because we didn't address a lot I'm of this just, stuff as we were going. You know, I'm <laughs> just going to say this. I'm going to say this, right? I, I thoroughly enjoyed this as a whole, start to finish. Is it perfect? No, it's not. And like I say, not all things track completely. I agree with you. Episode three is the weaker episode. We do see the characters come together, Loki and Sylvie. It could appear to be quick. 
but then also you're kind of second-guessing whether it's genuine or not throughout the season. And in the end, you know, you do get the, the impression it was real for him, maybe real for her, but they still ultimately go there separate ways. I had a lot of, I had a lot of fun with this. Uh, again, I mentioned I watched it with a wife each week. We watched it together and it was a lot of, it was just the experience was fun and just Hiddleston as Loki. I'll never get tired of seeing him play the part. It, it was it was a fun show. Twists, turns, you know, classic Loki, Richard E. Grant. Wow, what a what a treat that was. <laughs> I, I thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And and for me, I had a much better time with this than Falcon and the Winter Soldier. No competition, but yes, one division of the three is still the best. But this Loki is a bloody good time. I'm gonna come in at a four out of five. I had a lot of fun with the show. I'm keen to see where it goes in a second season. And if the rumours are to be believed, Loki will be appearing in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Okay, it'll be interesting to see what, like, where does season two, like, fit in it? Like, do we pick up where we left off or... Do the events of Doctor Strange two happen? Do the events of Ant Man three happen? I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna get pretty nutty. I think it would make sense if it picks up after this and not the film. But we'll have to have to wait. You know, to see. Just looking back, it's like I remember each week watching WandaVision and being like, I cannot wait until that next episode. And then uh, with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it was like. Like, I'm excited, but I'm not, like, I'm not racing to it, you know? It's like, it got to Friday night, and it was like, oh, right, we'll put it on, but, you know, yeah, we can put it on a little bit later. That's all good. I'm not like, oh, I've gotten home. I've got to, got to watch it straight away. And then with Loki, I found, like, Wednesdays were coming around, and this, obviously, is after episode three, because after, after that second episode, I was like, hi, I'm there. I'm there straight away. Let's get it on. But after episode three, it was just like, until the end of the show. Eh, not fussed. I right, chuck it on. Yeah. Like, Wednesday night, I still, still watched it, but that excitement wasn't there, and I think, I don't know, episode three just killed it for me. It sounds like and it. I think, yeah. Yeah. It did some good things after that of... for you, but I, I get it. And, you know, I guess some, I recognise. There's some fun shit. It, there's some fun shit in this show, and, you know, Mobius is great, Logan's great. Episode three, not the best episode. But <laughs> not the best. I think I was able to move past it. Better than you were. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems so weird. I don't know. Anyway. Well, that's it for our episode all about Loki Season 1. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Jason, once again, thanks for being on the show. Oh, yeah. Again, another great therapy session to get all of that off my chest. I mean, if you want to talk more time travel and all those kind of shenanigans, uh, we can really deep dive into it. But I guess we don't want to we don't want to bore the people. We're out of time. (laughs) Out of time. (laughs) Well, how ironic. (laughs) As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.